0: Thank you. Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Twitter at underscore Beyond the Lines, and also on TikTok at Beyond the Lines Podcast. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, you can email me at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. This episode is sponsored by Davis Vending. If you need a snack or drink machine for your employees or customers, contact Davis Vending at 813-530-6763 or email them at davisvending71 at gmail.com. Davis Vending offers great service and affordable prices. For all your vending needs, contact Davis Vending. If you enjoy the content I create and what I'm building here at Beyond the Lines, I ask that you support the show by making a small donation. All you have to do is click on the support the show link in the show notes and donate. If you donate, you'll get a shout out in a future episode. And I thank you in advance. This is episode number 69, and today I will be discussing financial literacy, preparing youth for real life financial situations. So now, let's meet this episode's guest. My guest today is a franchise owner of Colbert Ball Tax in Frederick, Maryland. He also has an MBA in finance. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jason. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, thanks. Today, we're going to talk about financial literacy. Obviously, this is one of these things that particularly athletes need to know, but certainly these days, we want to get young kids involved in financial literacy. A lot of kids go through education in school, and certainly financial literacy should be one of those programs that kids should get into. So we're going to touch a little bit on that, and we're also going to talk a little bit about financial literacy as it comes to athletes and the college professional ranks as well. But first, at this basic level, what is financial literacy?
1: So really financial literacy is, to me, is the core financial principles that help one kind of navigate through whether it's a financial system or a banking system in the U.S., right? So really just understanding a few things like budgeting, right? Kind of managing your money, understanding where your money goes, and kind of understanding the money game, because most of us don't grow up with that mentor or guidance to understand, like, you know how to make money. We know how to spend money, but the things that we do in between and navigate that system. So that's kind of the core for me is people understanding how to manage the money. Kids should get
0: into financial literacy, and that's something they should learn while they're in school. In your opinion, what age should kids be taught financial
1: literacy? As early as possible. Obviously, in many school systems, financial literacy is not taught at the elementary school level, right? But the more we see the financial downturns in the market or economic inflation going up seems like every month economic downturns that seem to happen every five to 10 years. So the earlier they can get started, and typically that that should happen at home. But again, it goes back to the old adage that if you don't learn it at home, you don't learn it until it's too late. Right? Right. So I would easily say eight years old, because at that point they're learning their basic math skills. For some kids they are even getting into advanced math at that point. Right. So they should be able to understand some of the basic principles of finance.
0: Now, in Frederick, you started a, a financial literacy program for the young kids. Talk about that program.
1: So, yeah. So what I did was it was something I had thought about doing for a number of years. Actually, I thought about doing it for the adults, right? And I said, why not go ahead and teach at the youth level? So what I did was I reached out to many of my clients, even put things on social media. And so I was looking at an age range between 12 and 17, right? Because at the age of 12, they you know, the in middle school, getting ready to go into high school, and obviously the 17 year olds getting ready to graduate high school, and either going off to college or just getting a job. So I felt like that was a sweet spot in terms of the age range. Right. And this taught them basic principles about some things about investing, how to manage money, how to do budgets and all those things. So it was five Saturdays from 10 to two, the parents were involved to some degree because there, there was some homework that was sent home every Saturday and then we capped it off with a ceremony and certificate to the kids. So I did it, I just have five kids in the program. I like to do it more small and intimate because at that age, you know, obviously I'm not a teacher by profession, so I need to be able to manage the group a little better. So I went with a smaller class size.
0: Now, what were some of the reactions you got for some of the kids as you went through the program as they began
1: to learn about budgeting, balancing a checkbook, all those types of things. What were some of the reactions you got? You know, it was funny because you could tell they were at different levels, right? Between the five kids, right? Which was good because they could all bring something different to the table. But the reaction was they started to understand. So you, you knew it was conversations that happened at home or conversations they heard at home. They didn't know how to apply it. They didn't understand when mom and dad said, hey, we can't afford it. We can't do X, Y, and Z. So when they came to the class and we talked about certain principles, then the light bulb kind of went on. So they started to understand like, oh, wow, this is why mom and dad says this. This is why they tell us to do this financially and save money and do those things. So it was, it was eye opening for them, but it was also eye opening for me to see their reaction and to know that and I applauded the parents at the ceremony that they're having those conversations at home. Now they need to have deeper conversations.
0: Yeah. And that was my next question. What was your reaction? What you learned from the kids? Because obviously you have all this information for them, but yet, like you said, there was five different kids. They all brought something different to the table. So what was it that you learned from the kids in teaching the program?
1: Well, I learned that this new math is different, right? <laughs> yes. so we, were, we were going through just figuring out a budget and okay, what's your income for the month? What's your expenses for the month and what the difference is, right? Do you have enough money at the end of the month? Are you short of money at the end of the month? It was was simple math for you and I, right? Just, okay, income, subtract the expenses. This is what you have. But it was two kids in my class. I made them put away the cell phones. So it was two kids in the class who it took them longer than I anticipated to come up with an answer when you're just subtracting, say, $500 from $750. But with the new math that they do... Right, That was eye-opening for me, like, wow, this is different. Mm -hmm. So I I allowed them to use the cell phone and the calculator (laughs) at that point. We just didn't want to waste too much time for that project. But that made me understand that the the math, it's difficult for parents. I already know it's difficult as well for the students, but that new math is difficult to apply to -to day-to-day living, just doing regular, what we think is regular addition and subtraction.
0: Right, right. Your age group was 12 to 17. So why do you think financial literacy isn't being taught aggressively enough at the middle school and high school levels?
1: You know, I've seen states and other counties, like even in Maryland, Prince George's County has put something in the school system in the high schools. I think they're always trying to prepare students just for college or for job employment, right? Right. So I don't think they take the notion of financial literacy or even taxes for that matter, how important it is when it comes to having a family and, and you know, doing things throughout your livelihood. Um, they're preparing them for ACTs and SATs. and Financial literacy in taxes is not, is not a part of that equation. So I think that's why a lot of school systems don't incorporate that. Some do most don't. They're just preparing them for college and for employment after college.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a topic that's been discussed, at least I've heard it for a number of years, where financial literacy is one of those things that kids need to learn early and they need to learn it often, Mm -hmm. and particularly if they're not getting it at home, certainly in the school system, and like you said, at a young age, so that once they get older and they get jobs, when they're teenagers, they get a job at 16, they know how to apply their paycheck to whatever it is they need to apply it to, whether it's they need to buy something for school or they want to buy something personally. How can they manage that? And do they have enough money to buy that or do they have to wait till the next paycheck? So, again, I think it's something that has been discussed for a number of years. And quite honestly, I don't know why it's not taught on a widespread basis in schools. I certainly think it's something that that kids just as much as math and science and all those other subjects is something that they need to be taught.
1: Definitely in the high school level, they're preparing for life at that point. Right. So they're preparing for whether it's a trade whether it's college, right? Student loans. That's the highest debt we know today, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can't manage your money, your son just went off to college, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm sure he got plenty of offers for credit cards. Mm -hmm. That baffles my mind too, to know that a 17 year old is walking on campus and during orientation is eight different credit card companies with booths set up to give a kid a credit card that has no income. Right. Right. So they're setting them up for that failure, potentially. So it definitely is much needed, even with that example, understanding how credit cards work and the interest rates and all those things. Again, it baffles my mind that we don't put more emphasis on that. But I think that a lot of states and counties will come on board, especially with the way the economics is today. Yeah, hopefully that's the case.
0: College athletes are now allowed to profit from their NIL, which is name, image, and likeness. Do you think that that's a good idea, given that many of these athletes may not have a strong understanding of third-party contracts
1: and other legal issues surrounding this deal? I like the the NIL concept. I do like that. For years, think about the Fab Five, right? Mm -hmm. Back in the 90s when they should have been able to profit from the name, image, and likeness. Right. But I do think there is going to be situations where, and I just saw something recently in in the news last week. Young kid got drafted, and apparently, his NIL deal to whoever put together the deal was tied to 15% of his NFL contract for the life of his NFL career. Right. So, being able to put a team around you, right, that because obviously, if you're getting a nice chunk of money from NIL you should be able to be smart enough to go out and say, like, let's talk to a CPA. Right. Let's talk to an attorney. Make sure these documents we're signing are, are legitimate, right, or on the up and up and, and, and being able to, well, we're not stuck in like this young man's situation. So it's always about being in the right room. And a lot of coaches are you know, stepping up to the plate as well, right, at these reputable programs, like with Dawn Staley of South Carolina. She put an emphasis on, let's teach these girls how to manage the money, To have them talk to the right people, to have their contracts be legitimate so that we're not looking back five years from now and seeing they've been put into a financial situation because they didn't learn, they didn't know, family doesn't know. So I think a lot of emphasis should go on the coaching staff as well. In the institution, right? Putting them in position to get the right training and things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know when it comes to sports, in particular college and professional sports, we always hear those really tough cases or those tough situations where An athlete is broke after five years, maybe 10 years or something like that. And had they had the financial literacy education, uh, you know, maybe those situations wouldn't happen. And I know once you go to a professional level, particularly in NFL, they go through a lot of different symposiums, whether it's dealing with the public, dealing with women and all those things. But they also go through a financial class as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think those classes probably need to be a little bit more extensive and certainly at the college level, because a lot of these kids... And particularly those who are the top athletes who are only going to be in college for one year, if it's basketball or maybe two to three years, if it's football, they need to know these things. But I think it needs to be across the board. So regardless if you're going to professional levels or not, or if you're going into the workforce or wherever, you need to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. And you certainly need to have a sound financial basis to work with when you do get out of college, whether it's sports or not.
1: Yeah. And I think also it comes down to a lot of it's psychological. Yes. The emotion tied to money is psychological. And I think a lot of the kids that come from not the best neighborhoods, right? They're trying to bring the whole neighborhood with them. Mm -hmm. And I think it's more the understanding that you don't have to do that versus the financial piece, because the financial piece, like the money's there. They've learned some things, like you said, going through these symposium and classes, but then you're trying to bring too many people along with you. Right. And then you feel the need to take care of the community. That's where a lot of the issues lie in our communities. So they've learned some things, but then they try to bring too many people along. And I think that's the downfall for a lot of the stories that we've read about over the years, for a lot of, the, especially NFL, NBA players.
0: Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. So do you think the NCAA has a responsibility in athletes being educated on financial
1: matters? And if so, what is their role in that? I think they do. NCAA, not so much institutions for sure, because a lot of these schools have these funds. They have these NIL funds now, Mm -hmm. right? So it allows the alumni and the boosters to legitimately put money in these funds so they can use that to get five-star athletes. If you're going to do that, then the institution has, to me, has a right to put those players in position to be educated on financial literacy. Because the same things are going to continue to happen. Like you're going to pay them or they're going to get a deal with like Burger King or McDonald's or whoever. But the institution has, I think, a a large piece in the educational aspect for these athletes. And it's not going to be all athletes, right? We already know it's going to be for a basketball team, it may be three or four players. For a football team, it may be 10 to 15 to 20 players that are getting these NIL deals. And those are the ones they should target for sure and say, hey, we know you got the NIL deal. We know you're getting money from our fund. We're going to put you through these classes to make sure you soundly educated. I know in like in Florida, the state board of education has adopted a rule that requires
0: all athletes enrolled in a two year degree program to learn life skills, money management and how to enter into a third party contracts. Would you like to see every state do this and even extend it to athletes
1: at four year institutions as well? Yeah, I think that's the perfect idea because You never know you have athletes that when they're 18 19 years old they're not projected to be this nba all-star but they put the work in things happen so you need to be educated in the event that your career takes off and this for life skills like you said life skills to understand how to do certain things especially financially if you're married and have two kids and how to maintain a household buying a home how that home and how the money you make and the taxes that you do or don't pay, how it's going to affect the livelihood of your family, right? So I do like that concept. To me, every state should have a similar program. Every county, every city and every state should have a similar program like that. As far as education and financial literacy, we've all heard stories, whether it's an
0: athlete or entertainer, they've had family members, whether it's a parent or brother or someone like that, be their financial advisor. What about those people uh, in terms of financial literacy and being able to handle their son or daughter or the athlete or the entertainer's finances? What about them being educated and and how would that be implemented as well?
1: Yeah, it's funny because obviously we want the athlete to be educated, but ultimately if the parents are in the ear of that athlete, it may not be with the best intentions a lot sometimes. So. Why not put together a program that does benefit the entire family, especially the immediate family? That may be more difficult to go countywide and statewide like the other program would be, but it could be something that the institution could put in place. If they're at a university that has five-star athletes and you're going to be educating that athlete, why not incorporate the family with that education?
0: Right. Absolutely. You mentioned the way they do math these days. And nowadays, not very many people are like me who still balance a checkbook. So <laughs> how challenging is that for someone like for yourself who teaches financial literacy to young kids? And even if we're talking about high school, having these programs in the schools and universities, how do they go about teaching financial literacy in the new age versus someone like me
1: who bounces a checkbook still? You're a rare breed. So definitely a rare breed. that's funny. That's how I ended up doing what I do. My mom growing up still in the checkbook. So I would see her do that. So it was a learned behavior. The first of every month on a Saturday, she would clear the kitchen table. We couldn't even use the table because she was balancing her checkbook down to the penny and she couldn't find that penny. She would be frustrated. Yes. <laughs> Everything is so automated today. Online banking now, uh, everything's on an app. Mm-hmm. That was the one thing I tried. Well, I feel like I succeeded to some degree in my class. We didn't go through the process of balancing a checkbook, but we discussed it. We talked about how the process is that versus online banking. I think to do that, it would definitely have to be a family atmosphere. If the kids aren't seeing their parents do it, what's the point of them doing or having that interest because they they don't have anyone to go to, to learn it. Right. I don't think they even teach it in the high schools anymore. Right. Like when you and I were in the school, they were still doing, we were balancing checkbooks. We mm-hmm. were doing bookkeeping, we were doing budgeting and debt management and all those little things. I quite honestly don't think that's even in the school system to that degree. They may be doing some online version of that, right? Right. Like I still, to this day, I don't do a checkbook balance, but I'll still use a spreadsheet, right? So although I have my online banking, I do my bookkeeping, especially for my business, I still have a running spreadsheet for a lot of things too. So that's like my third set of books, essentially, to make sure everything balances out. So it's going to have to start at the home level. And I think the parents need to be educated on that first. But I I hate to say that would be a tough task. The um, electronics that we have today, people just aren't doing that anymore. Right, right. Going back to the class that you teach, uh, we got your, your
0: response or your reaction to the kids and the kids' reaction What was the parents' reaction to the program and how their kids from the time they started to four weeks later when they got their certificate and graduated?
1: Man, the parents were all in. When I posted it on social media, because I told a few of my clients, I told them about it. They said, well, let me know. I said, I have to make it fair. I have to post it so everybody has a chance to respond to it. When I posted it, the class filled up within less than 24 hours. Oh, wow. So that told me then that parents were all in. And when I did it, The first class was right on the heels of COVID, right? So it was in May of 2021, Mm -hmm. right? And when I did it, I was going to do it for eight weeks. And I was going to run it from Memorial Day through July into like early August. And then I started to think, families haven't been able to travel for COVID. No summer vacations. These kids have been locked into their laptops, right? (laughs) So I condensed it to five weeks. So it was essentially... The Saturday after Memorial Day and then before 4th of July so they can get the time in. So when I did that, it was even the parents said, okay, if one family had a vacation that they would thought about going to Hershey Park, they postponed that until after the class ended. So I knew at that point my parents were all in. The only requirement, it was free to the kids and the family. The only requirement was, since it was five kids and five Saturdays, I asked each different family to supply lunch for the four particular Saturdays.
0: Nice. Nobody had a problem with that.
1: Correct. Nope. And two of them were restaurant owners, so they shouldn't have had a problem. With it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so finally, what is your advice to an
0: athlete when it comes to managing their money, whether it's from athletics or an everyday job?
1: I would tell them the same thing I tell a lot of my clients is put a team around you, right? Put a team of professionals, someone that knows finance, right? A financial advisor, have an attorney, around you may not have them on retainer but it's someone you could pick up the phone and call and have them look at contracts or get some legal advice or have a cpa if not a cpa an accountant if someone knows taxes right so have that team around them that can steer them in the right direction because if you try to do it on your own you're going to fail because most people just don't know enough right it's only so many things you can learn on social media your cousin may try to give you some advice. Don't listen to that advice. <laughs> might go to a professional or someone that's been doing it for a while. or was licensed to do what they do to get that insight. And you will see uh, better results that way. Like, for example, Alan Arverson about that Reebok deal he has where they ended up waiting until he turned, I think was 50 or mm-hmm. a certain age where he started getting like 800,000 a year. Because they saw what he was doing as a young NBA star. Like, okay, we're going to set you up for after. Right. Have those kind of people around you and in your corner to give you that kind of advice and set you up for better years well after you retire from your sport. Absolutely. So, how can people reach out to you and how can they follow you? So, on Instagram, D Money The Entrepreneurial, on Instagram. On Facebook, it's just my name, Derek Lee Bowens. That's my personal page. The business page is Cobra Ball Tax Frederick. It's the business page on Facebook. My website is cobertballtax-frederick.com here in Frederick, Maryland. And contact me via phone. Office number is 301-378-9219. And email address is Derek. That's D-A-R-R-I-C-K dot Bowens, B-O-W-E-N-S at cobertballtax.com.
0: Well, Derek, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Again, this is a topic that we really need to discuss and get out there for all the young kids and even the parents as well. Financial literacy is certainly one of those things that go by the wayside in terms of athletics. You know, we talk about training. We talk about nutrition. We talk about health, concussion. We talk about a lot of different things Mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, athletes. But financial literacy is one of those things that always seems to take a backseat. And year after year, again, there's more athletes who are successful, but we always hear about those bad cases yeah. and those bad situations that people are losing their homes and things because of bad financial decisions. So, again, I'm glad to have you on to talk about that. And I really appreciate your time.
1: I appreciate that. having me on, Jason. Thank you.
0: All right. You're welcome.
1: Once again, I'd
0: like to thank Derek for joining the show. So what are the three takeaways from today's episode? Number one, kids learn the basics of how to manage money. Number two educate yourself on how the financial world works so that you are better prepared when it's time to enter the real world. And number three, surround yourself with those who are knowledgeable in the world of finance so that you make sound financial decisions. That concludes episode number 69. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you subscribe. Please tune in for the next episode. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care.